You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Dan, we're on episode 12. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. We had a nice little break, Memorial Day break. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, what do you feel about our, our, our lucky number 12? Um, I think this is going to be one of our, our most useful podcasts because we're talking about a topic that I know a lot of teachers, particularly in the humanities, um, will find relevant because a lot of people use different types of film in schools. Yeah, what... What films did you use in your classroom? I mean, like anyone else, I know I used I used a lot of different um, films in my class. I think a couple of my favorites were um, I used a documentary called America and the Holocaust to teach about bureaucracy. Um, I think it was just an incredibly powerful way to show how you know bureaucratic decisions, how bureaucrats can can you know even result in life or death decisions for people um, you know beyond just what lawmakers do, and so. I think that really resonated with students, and then the story was very powerful. Um, I highly recommend that documentary. And then I think one of my favorites was also using uh, Forrest Gump at the end of U.S. history. You never realize, though, how many um, cuss words are in that movie until you, oh, sh- you show it in a school. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. My students are old and mature. They hand, they could hand, they've heard worse. Um, but we did some uh, storyboarding of additional scenes after the film, and so it was kind of fun to to think about what else could have been included in that film. And it allowed for us to use a little bit of our historical imagination. How about you? I, recently, we were talking about the Holocaust. So I used uh, a portion of this documentary about the Einsengruben, the mobile killing units, mm-hmm. um, which was, I mean, it's a powerful documentary. We paused a lot and we discussed a lot. So that was pretty, uh, pretty helpful. And then I really liked the original Godzilla, not the one when it came to the U.S., but like the original Japanese Godzilla uh, I think there's a. It's really neat to like see Japan after the war and how it kind of how you you just get a really glimpse into that society post you know atomic bombs. Michael, I have bad news for you. Oh no, Godzilla is not a historical historically accurate film. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you necessarily need to have some a historical film to get history out of it. I feel like you can learn a lot about the culture. You can learn a lot about the government through that movie because um, you can see the Diet, you can see the security forces. Uh, I thought it was kind of neat. Cool. Well, I think we've got a good guest today who can help, who can maybe maybe tell whether your use of Godzilla is uh, effective and appropriate in the classroom, right? Oh, goodness. I do hope he uh, agrees with me. Hey, Jeremy, how are you doing? It's great to have you, Jeremy Stoddard. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in education? And then tell me if my use of uh, Godzilla works. Great. Yeah. So um, I'm currently uh, an associate professor at the College of William & Mary in Virginia. And um, my primary job is training social studies teachers, but I'm also an associated faculty member in the film and media studies program. And so my background, um, I'm a former middle school teacher, and my master's degree is actually in uh, educational technologies and communications. Um, and my PhD did both sort of democratic education and 
um, educational media, essentially. Um, and in between there, I also worked in about 30 districts in central Wisconsin as an ed tech professional development specialist. So a lot of that was helping teachers how to use media and technology in the classroom. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your teaching uh, background in middle school? Sure. So I taught um, primarily American history. And um, one of the things I was very curious about from early on um, was I had a next-door neighbor, and this was in Minnesota, and he taught about the Civil War for about two months, and that included a lot of film and, I believe, having the kids doing maneuvers down in the parking lot. Um, And so I was always really curious as to what all this engagement was sort of film that I was seeing around in different classrooms and in my own classroom, because it was that from him that I started showing things like glory um, without really a whole lot of thought in terms of what exactly I wanted students to get out of it. And I really became curious as to what kids were actually learning from it, what they were taking away from it. And then also all the references that would come into my classroom from them talking about films that they'd seen outside of it. Um, and some of it sort of horrifying in terms of what they were watching, but I, it would come up a lot in my classroom. So I was interested in really coming away from what I look at now, which is how do young people sort of learn about history, politics, citizenship through engaging with different kinds of media. Um, and the primary one we look at in classrooms, especially in social studies classrooms, is different forms of film that are being used. Well, so that leads us right into your um, your big idea, which is is using – oh, wait, we didn't get an answer to the Godzilla Question, That's we, what we need to know. People want to know. You know, it's it's funny actually. You tell that we're, I'm working with a, a historian right now who looks um, who's Japanese and does um, history of the nuclear world essentially. And so we actually have a piece, and one of the prime examples we talked about was using Godzilla as a way to get at sort of the post nuclear age in in Japan and sort of how it reflects how people were feeling about the use of nuclear weapons, nuclear power. Um, as a result of, and, and nuclear testing in particular, which is the storyline where Godzilla comes out from. So um, he would say, and he's a historian who's, who's really well known, he would say that that's excellent use of Godzilla. And I will point out, since you guys can only hear us and not see us, that Michael um, pretty much did a Godzilla uh, imitation celebration um, when he found out Jeremy said this was okay. I was very excited. So can you tell us a little bit more, Jeremy, about your um, your big idea of how, how um, educators can use film effectively? Sure. So I think, I think um, we know that film has been used a lot in social studies classrooms over the decades, even from the early 1900s. There was educational film being used pretty early on to teach about history. And I think one of the questions is film has often been viewed as sort of a delivery vehicle to show us what happened um, and too often not looked at sort of critically enough to say, well, what can film actually show us about the past? How can it engage us? Um, And then also, how can we use it as teachers as a sort of um, medium for getting students to think critically about how history is represented, some of the bigger issues that are out there in history, or to use them, um, what we found in in some of our research, which is using film as almost a counter-narrative to what we see in a lot of textbooks. So as a way to bring in um, sort of perspectives that are often marginalized, as a way to engage students in topics that can be really seen as being sort of difficult or challenging or emotional. I know you've done some specific research into using film. What are some of the the most interesting things you've found in looking at how people have used it? So uh, Alan Marcus and I did a survey really early on when I started my graduate program, and, and it came from the fact that we were both doing literature reviews, and we couldn't find any surveys that told us exactly what teachers were actually using in the classroom. So there was Surveys on usage that told us frequency of use, but nothing that told us sort of specific films. And so we surveyed 
high school teachers in Connecticut and Wisconsin. Um, and now similar surveys have been done in England and Australia. And the same types of films keep coming up. And this was um, at the time, and this was around 2000, early 2000s, it was Glory, Amistad, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, you're a fan of Forrest Gump. Forrest <laughs> Gump came up often, right? And so what we found, Dances with Wolves is another one. Um, these were the types of films that were coming up regularly. And when we started to look at it, we found urban teachers tending to use American Indian-related films, suburban teachers using African-American history films. Um, and what we started to figure out was that a lot of times we thought teachers were using them to get at things that either weren't often in their curriculum or they weren't comfortable teaching about. Um, or they saw as really important, um, because think about it, it, how many hours does it take to show a film like Glory or Schindler's List mm -hmm. in a classroom, right? This is a huge chunk of class time. They saw it as important, but maybe something that they personally weren't really ready to um, engage their students in. So they saw film as a medium for sort of um, really giving them a chance to dig into this history. Um, and so from that, I, I did my dissertation looking at a couple of teachers. Um, and what I wanted was people who used film regularly but weren't necessarily film experts. So if we could say it's, it's sort of a best case um, average teacher that used film a lot is what I was looking for. And what we found were a couple of things. One was students did find some aspects of films motivating, but it depended on how it was used. And I can dig into this a little bit. The other piece that was more surprising was the difference between how feature film was used and documentary film. Um, and this is one of, I think, uh, a key takeaway from, from the research I've done since then as well. And that is when these two teachers used films, really explicitly feature films, they would always introduce them as saying, this is what we're going to get out of this film. So for instance, um, they did a, a big unit on sort of totalitarianism and fascism. And so they, what they did was they used a film that's an ABC after-school special, which I always now have to explain to my students what they are, um, <laughs> called The Wave. And The Wave was set in California. And it's a, it's a story from, the, I believe, the 1960s, um, where a teacher sort of, his students asked him how the Holocaust could have possibly happened, how the people could have done this. And so he started using sort of um, pseudo-Hitler youth tactics to build up this same kind of group mentality among them. And so what the teachers did, though, which I thought was, was a really good example of pedagogy with this type of film, obviously it's, a, it's sort of a history film. It's talking about a classroom in the 1960s, but it's really an allegory for the Hitler youth and this idea of group mentality. It's sort of a concept formation lesson is what emerged. And what they did was they split the groups up and instead of just having them watch the film and fill out a worksheet, they asked half the class to identify sort of the strategies that the teacher was using to build up this sort of group mentality, and the other half to look at what the students and the parents were doing that also sort of fostered this to make it sort of get into this almost extreme behavior. So eventually the kids are beating up other kids in the school, they're becoming very exclusive, they have a sort of wave salute or you know among the group, and they build up this thing into um, into sort of it, it climaxes at the point where he actually shows them like a film of Hitler and says this is what you've become in a very dramatic sort of moralistic <laughs> way. Um, but the bigger point for the for the what the teachers wanted was, and they were very explicit about this up front, was they wanted them to start to understand what were the characteristics of this sort of group mentality or group think. And so what they did was they developed a, essentially a concept of totalitarianism and the strategies that these different countries and leaders used to develop these sort of group mentalities that would cause um, eventually or would lead to the conditions for the Holocaust. And in addition to that, they used other films, including America and the Holocaust, which you referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. um, they also used a film called Swing Kids, which, again, 
not necessarily a great film. It's set in Berlin. Um, it was made in the 1990s. It's about American kids who listen to swing music, or not, sorry, German kids that listen to swing music, which was banned in Berlin. Um, but they would show clips of it, and they were basically trying to show them that not all, not all Germans were Nazis. Um, it showed ideas in there about um, sort of the persecution of communists, the persecution of the disabled, and sort of, again, it got across um, almost a humanistic view a little bit of German youth and the context of what was going on. So they weren't using them as, this is exactly what happened, or, you know, these are the major events, but more to give them sort of the context of, of what was going on at the time. And so that's, um, I think, was a really great example from these teachers of how to use a feature film well. So is one common problem that, that teachers too often simply use the films as, to convey information? Is, is that the most common problem you see? Yeah, I think too often, and I think sometimes the, the teachers maybe are thinking about them in more sophisticated ways, but they're, they're just not explicit as to what they actually want students to get out of it. And what they've, you know, historically the model has been give them a really detailed worksheet to make them watch the film instead of giving them sort of an intellectual task for the viewing that would help engage them more deeply. And I think that's what we found from the research. People who do this well are engaging them intellectually with the film itself. Is that the difference between using teachers who have been using feature films versus documentaries? Documentaries are just kind of like shown as kind of like we watch this in feature films. There seem like more of like there's more like unpacking of those. Is that kind of what you're, you're seeing the difference? Yeah. In the research I found, that's what's, that's what's been happening. So they, they're much more explicit about that feature films are not um, sort of actuality films. It's, this isn't showing exactly what happened, that they're not necessarily accurate, but here's the reason why I'm showing it to you. I want to get across this major point, or I want you to get an idea of even the Saving Private Ryan. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of bad examples with that one because it's completely fictional. But what they use it for is to get across sort of the enormity of the D-Day invasion, say, or, you know, some of those types of things, and not that this is actually what happened. What we've seen with documentaries is, though, too often what we found is, is teachers select documentaries that reflect sort of their own views or ideas of something, and therefore aren't going to be critical of them, and they're going to show them more as if it's, it's an objective source, as if it's sort of a neutral source of what happened. And, and there too often the pedagogy is sort of take notes from it as if it's akin to a lecture. So that instills this belief in students then that documentaries, which we have a larger concept of documentaries as being sort of more accurate anyway, um, I think in society it really instills that in students as well. And I know, I don't know if you guys had these in your schools, but we actually had like these very chronological documentaries that were like, you know, replications in some ways in movie format of textbooks. And Again, they were just, I saw a lot of teachers use those purely for content um, to help students get content, which of course, both with textbooks and those types of films, of course, there are people who are making those with perspectives and, and making decisions about what's included and not included. And so um, it's, it's funny to think back because I'm sure there's a couple of times where I used, you know, one of those films to review content uncritically myself. Well, and I think there's a difference between sort of educational films, which is what you're talking about essentially, mm -hmm. and documentaries. But if the teacher isn't helping students make the distinction, then that's, that can be problematic too. They might use a um, PBS sort of straightforward um, educational film like you're referring to, Dan, mm -hmm. and then turn around and we had an example of them using a film like The War at Home, which is about the Vietnam era protests 
um, in Madison, Wisconsin, and showing it as if this was a sort of um, full perspective of what happened, as if it wasn't sort of one particular strong view of the war and, and what occurred. Um, and so I think that's the difference, that they're not helping students differentiate between even types of documentaries that might be out there, because there's a wide range of things that fit sort of into this documentary category. What are some ways that I can use a film in a pedagogically sound way? I think there's a couple of things to think about. One is I always tell my, my folks, um, and I remember this as a teacher, and I'm sure I did it myself on more than one occasion, is, you know, some days we have those days where you do just need a film to fill in, right? We see this a lot. And they go down and say, it used to be the days when you had an actual um, cart in the library with, like, VHS tapes <laughs> on them or DVD player tapes or DVDs on them. And it was, you know, do we have a film on this topic? And so what I tell students, and this has become more problematic with things like discovery streaming, which you can, you know, choose a film for its academic standard, essentially, out of this streaming database, you know, pick a film for the perspective that it's showing, for the questions it's raising, for, and versus the topic that it's on. So don't pick a film about African Americans in the Civil War just because it's a film about African Americans in the Civil War. Pick it for the objectives that you want out of the class, right? For the questions that particular film is going to raise about history, for what, or for the, what you might want to do with it in terms of if you want students to critique a really stereotypical view maybe of how that history is often represented, or use a film to challenge something that's in your textbook, use something that brings in a widely different perspective. So really you're picking a film for the perspective and, and sort of academic objective you have and not for what the film's about. And in the same way, one of the things I think that's, really missing a lot of times is using films like Godzilla, using films that give us an idea of the social, political um, <laughs> context of the times and not necessarily something that shows a historical event. So one of the best examples I have of this is a student who was part of the Cold War. And the Cold War is like one of the best times to use film anyway. She used an episode of The Twilight Zone called Monsters on Maple Street. And it basically gets into um, the Red Scare, as well as, though, the fascination with space, Martians, all these things that was going on. I think it was 1960 or 61 it was played. Um, and she used it in this way that really got at, um, again, she gave them a, a job to do during the filming, which was look at how the different characters reacted to these events that happened throughout it. And it's a 23, 24-minute um, program, so it's actually really usable in class. And then they debriefed and talked about how both some of the things that were in there, like portable radios and those types of things, which would have been the technology at the time, um, and also this sort of beliefs about space and Martians, but really got into sort of the idea of what it was reflecting of naming names and the Red Scare that it was really social criticism of. And so I think um, that's often a missing factor, along with now being able to access archival film, right? We can get archival film of events, raw footage from the civil rights era, from news stations, all these things that we can use. We still need to critique them, but I think it's an interesting way to bring in different types of historical sources into the classroom. Jeremy, you've written, I know you have a good article in Social Education, the main um, social studies journal in, in the U.S., um, that, where you talk about both teaching with and about film. Um, it, do you have any, I mean, do you think it's a good idea for teachers to also try to teach about film, about like how you know, producers use production techniques and lighting and, and music and other things to influence viewers. Is that something you get into? Yeah, I think one of the things that we, we try to, and, and teachers by no means have to be experts on everything film or film forms or have to be film majors, right? But, but we think that, you know, from what I've found at least, teachers who do this well, 
will have their students ask a number of questions of any type of moving image that they encounter. You know, and these are things like, you know, what is the director or producer, what does he want the audience to think? Who is it made for, right? What's missing? A lot of times is a good question. You know, when it's a documentary, I often show them ones that maybe are from two different perspectives of the same event and say, well, why did one director choose this and one choose that? Mm-hmm. Um, I even use a short, um, I'll use early on, I'll have them backwards um, storyboard, um, a really short piece. Um, usually I use like a campaign ad um, from, uh, is it the Living Room Candidate? I'll mm-hmm. pick one like the Daisy Girl ad or something and show them because they're really short. And by backwards storyboarding it, you're breaking it down into why do they have these particular scenes, this particular audio, what was sort of the affective goal, what were they trying to get you to feel or think or want you to do. And I think that's a good way to introduce them to sort of media forms in general, um, but then keep raising the questions about not just what's going on in the film itself, but the context of what's going on outside and why this film was made at this time from this perspective. Um, there's ones, um, you know, there's things again during the Cold War where filmmakers were blacklisted for different reasons, um, and they would make films under pseudonyms um, because of the the anti-communism sort of rhetoric that was going on at the time. And so, being able to talk about the filmmakers, the film context, what it reflects about what's going on, I think, is just important, important almost maybe even more important than what the film actually shows. Well, that's. I think really helpful, and I think all of this will be really helpful for teachers. Um, I might also provide a link to our episode seven guest, Renee Hobbs, her her article, which even though it's a little older, I think a lot of it still applies. The non optimal ways that teachers use film, you know, just the, it just reminds thing about things like you know uh, having clear instructional purposes and 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 you know using pause, rewind, and review to have discussions and making sure that the teacher is also engaged while watching the film, things like that. Um, that that could be some helpful tips for teachers. Definitely. It's things that I think one of the things, if you're a person who does a lot of historical thinking with primary sources in your classroom, thinking about how you transfer some of those same skills to other mediums, mm-hmm. um, including film. So thinking about how are you critiquing sources, all different types of sources in the same way that you're asking them to do primary sources. Because that's one of the things we found with our teachers as well, is that they were doing things with documents and then would turn around and show a documentary and not ask them to do any of that stuff with it. Mm-hmm. So I think thinking about how we engage with different sources um, and getting those sort of skills to transfer. Well, great, Jeremy. Um, you know, thanks so much for chatting with us today. I, I think that this will all be helpful. I know Michael's very happy to have uh, it affirmed that apparently he can just show Godzilla all day. Vindication. <laughs> with purpose, though. I know that I need to show it with purpose. The purpose, and I think the only last thing sort of to remember is, you know, you know your students, you know what types of things might be upsetting to them, give them a warning before something might come on if it's violent or if they're really afraid of, um, you know, 1950s movie monsters, you know, whatever it might be. And also, you know, if it's going to be R-rated, check with your administrator, those Mm -hmm. types of things are always just really smart things to do when it comes to um, using a film in your class, and there's nothing wrong with showing clips versus showing the whole thing either. We found both to be very effective um, in these days um, with the timing of things. Um, you know, a, a clip can be used very, very effectively depending on your goal. Great, great. Um, thanks for for all the great advice. So, Jeremy, where can people find um, connect with you online or or, or um, find your work? Sure, um, I'm on. Twitter, it's at Jeremy or underscore Stoddard. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find a lot of my articles on my website at William & Mary in ResearchGate. Um, and there's some open source 
articles out there as well. And my email is just jdstod at wm.edu. Great. We'll get this all included in the show notes and we'll have this available for, for all our listeners. Um, so again, thanks so much for joining us today and we, we hope to continue the discussion online and in other spaces. Great. Thanks for inviting me. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Education on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you write us a five-star review, then we will read it on the air. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast, signing off.